Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hey, Dave, how are you today? Good. I think I almost just forgot my own name there. Do you know what? I actually froze too, and I was like, oh, how am I supposed to start this? I was really it's, struggling there for a second. That's a good, it, good foreshadowing. I know, right? I think it's because we're recording in the morning, and we usually record at night, so it's kind of, it's thrown me off my game a little bit. <laughs> I think I, I'm I just an idiot. I don't my name I, until the evening, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I'm just stupid, so... <laughs> I do want to flag for people that um, my little guy just woke up and toddled out. So I gave him my phone. He's playing Angry Birds. Hopefully he will be quiet for the duration of our recording, but you will probably hear him squeal with delight when he knocks over, I don't know, Angry Birds, I guess. Pigs. Pigs, whatever. I don't know what it is. Yeah. That's right. They're like, yeah. Okay. So when. Pigs. When his bird hits a pig, you might hear him squeal. So That's good. We'll be able to chart his progress. There you go. All right. So we actually have a um, kind of an important uh, podcast today where we're going to be talking about the recent ACA court case and what it could mean, what it means now and what it could mean in the future. That is correct. That is what we're going to be discussing. Um, and this is something, Peggy, I know you've gotten a lot of, there's been a lot of chatter on social media about this um, because there's a lot of confusion that the case has created. Um, lots of headlines. It's generated appropriately, not that it shouldn't be generating headlines. But um, in this episode, we're going to talk about a few things. Um, we're going to explain what the lawsuit is about. We're going to explain what the basis for the judge's ruling in this case was what it means for you right now, and what's potentially next for the Affordable Care Act as a whole. Right. And just to refresh people a little bit, uh, Texas judge ruled on the Affordable Care Act on December 14th, and he declared the core provisions of the law unconstitutional. Um, I just want to kind of remind people, because there was a lot of chatter, but then a week later, the government shut down. So now the the chatter that... and the conversations about this ACA lawsuit have really been buried and and kind of forgotten a little bit with the the new governmental crisis. Yes. So do you want to walk through, Peggy, to kick us off sort of what the Texas case was about, how it came about? Sure. Um, so the case was brought about by a large group of Republican state attorneys generals, And it was brought in federal district court. If you go back to your civics classes, Dave, you can remember that the district court is the lowest level federal court, kind of like a trial court. Um, Their opinions or decisions can be appealed to the appellate court in the circuit, which is the region, like the court for the region. The appellate court decisions can be appealed to the Supreme Court, which is the the court for the whole country. Uh, So this was was a ruling at the first, like the first level of this federal court process. And the state attorney generals argued that the state law mandate, the individual mandate for insurance is unconstitutional. This is something that, that really has been discussed since the ACA was first, uh, basically first brought to people's attention and people first learned about what this, um, yeah, my mind isn't working this morning either. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you're on the right path. This has always been the individual mandate has always been one of the most controversial it's, aspects it's of the law. It's been the real sticking point. Exactly. That's what I meant to say. Um, and basically, it was it was because the ACA originally had a penalty for people who didn't purchase insurance. However, in late 2017, when Congress passed the tax bill, they eliminated the penalty for the individual mandate. So now the Texas plaintiffs, who are the attorney generals, argued that the elimination of the penalty inseparable from the ACA as a is is inseparable from the AC as a whole. Therefore, the logic goes that if the penalty doesn't exist, the rest of the ACA is unconstitutional. Correct. And um, in fact, uh, Judge O'Connor, he's the district court judge in Texas, Northern District of Texas, who rendered the decision, agreed with that argument. He concluded that the ACA is unconstitutional. And uh, there, it's um, it's not the easiest argument to articulate. I'll try to do it. But the, the bottom line is what Peggy just outlined is essentially the rationale he adopted. He What, what Judge O'Connor concluded was that the elimination of the penalty, um, if you don't purchase insurance, means that the mandate to purchase insurance is also impermissible. And more specifically, he argued that that mandate was impermissible under Congress's taxing power. Uh, I won't go into the intricacies of this, but when the Affordable Care Act um, withstood appeal originally, a lot of it centered around the issue of Congress's taxing authority. And that was that was a key provision and actually make in, in the decision that led to uh, the Supreme Court decision leading to the Affordable Care Act remaining uh, law. Um, So he argues that the mandate is impermissible. And if the mandate is impermissible, then uh, by definition, it's unconstitutional. And because the mandate is essential to or inseverable from the larger Affordable Care Act legislation as a whole, he argues the entire law has to fall with it. The entire law is invalid. So basically, it, it, the, the argument goes something like this. If I was going to zoom back out to 30,000 feet, he's saying one provision of the law is unconstitutional. That provision is so connected to, so important to the law as a whole that you can't separate it from the law as a whole. And therefore, if that provision falls, so too does the entire statute. So he declared the Affordable Care Act unconstitutional. Thank you for that explanation, because it, it is very, very confusing. I think the takeaway for people right now it, and what people need to realize is that at this moment in time, this decision has no impact on the ACA at this particular moment. Judge O'Connor's ruling has left the, um, the ACA is going to be going to appeals There are numerous Democratic attorney generals now who are appealing this to the Fifth Circuit, which is the next level of federal court. Um, The Fifth Circuit decision will probably be appealed to the Supreme Court, um, which will probably fast track the ruling. Um, But what people need to know is that right now the ACA remains in effect today and for the foreseeable future as all of this plays out in the courts. Yeah. 
And Peggy, why don't you walk through, just remind people, I mean, this is, we are now, if the decision were ultimately upheld, there would be pretty profound impact on healthcare today as we know it. And why don't you walk through just the specifics of what those changes would be if this decision ultimately were to be upheld? Right. And the decision being upheld means that the ACA is declared unconstitutional. Uh, That would mean that uh, insurers no longer have to cover essential health benefits. That would mean that there's no longer a prohibition against pre-existing condition exclusions. That would mean that the, the lifetime and annual caps for essential health benefits could return. Um, it could mean that the f- uh, federal subsidies for low-income people to purchase insurance could go away. So it could make health care unattainable for low-income individuals. Um, it could mean that the Medicaid expansion for certain low-income people could be eliminated and the provision allowing dependents to stay on their parents' insurance until 26, which has been widely kind of a, a accepted and deemed a good thing from all parties involved, could go away. Yeah. So it really turns the the state of things today that I think most people have adjusted to and accept. And a lot of these are very popular. You know, it's Peggy, you and I always used to talk during the repeal and replace debate that one of the strange or sort of contradictory elements of the Affordable Care Act was that if you called it, if you polled people about Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act as a whole, then you would get fairly polarized and and often very negative responses. But when you started breaking up the individual elements of it and polling on, is this provision popular? Is is covering essential health benefits popular? Is prohibit is uh, prohibiting pre-existing conditions uh, something that you support? You found that the individual provisions that make up the law were all quite popular, um, and so um, this you know the effect of this if it does get uh, if if the if the district court judge's decision does get upheld, uh, would be would create real problems politically, I think, right now um, for Republicans who um, are are trying to make sure in particular that pre-existing conditions remain protected um, and uh, that, that you can't prohibit um, them. Um, and, you know, we... This is really now a a political hot potato, and it's it's created kind of an awkward situation for Republicans at this point in time, because I don't think this is an issue that they really want to be revisiting in this way. Um, I think they'd much, much prefer to try to tackle this um, in regulatory and legislative ways rather than a wholesale um, potential uh, elimination of the law. With that being said, Peggy... In terms of what's next, as as you mentioned, the case is being appealed to the Fifth Circuit. Uh, Fifth Circuit's likely to hear the case sometime this year based on government data. It appears that in the Fifth Circuit, um, once a case is heard, it then usually takes them about 10 months to actually decide the appeal, to issue an opinion. Um, however, it is possible that a higher profile case like this could get fast-tracked in the Fifth Circuit. Um, we said it's likely that... Um, no matter what, this decision would get appealed to the Supreme Court. And there's a little more nuance to that that I just want to flesh out here. If the Fifth Circuit upholds the decision, there is no question it will be appealed to the Supreme Court. So if the Fifth Circuit says, we agree with Judge O'Connor, the Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional, it will go to the Supreme Court. That is not a question. 
if the Fifth Circuit overturns Judge O'Connor's decision and says we don't agree with it and the Affordable Care Act is not unconstitutional, I think things are much less clear. Um, it will, no doubt it will be appealed, but where the, the nuance comes in here, Peggy, is a lot of legal experts believe that if the Affordable Care Act um, is upheld by the, by the, uh, by the Fifth Circuit, that the Supreme Court might very well decline to hear the appeal on the case, and they just might let everything stand as is. Um, on the other hand, if the Supreme Court does take it, we're probably looking at sometime in 2020 or even a little bit later than that before they hear this case, which means that this would be sitting uh, sitting out there before the Supreme Court right in the middle of an election year. Um, so the one thing I think we can say with a great deal of confidence, Peggy, that if this does go to the Supreme Court um, in 2020, health care will dominate the election cycle uh, for president. Right. I think it's safe to say, regardless, Dave, that this discussion is by no means over, and um, the ACA saga and debate uh, is going to be with us for quite a while. No question. Um, I will say also um, that, well, well, let's go into the summary, and I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up in the summary. Okay. The, I think the main takeaway and what I've been, been telling people through the emails that we received in the middle of December where people were really scared by this news is that nothing changes today or in the foreseeable future. Everything is going to be flushed out through the judicial system at this time. The, the judge's decision from Texas, Judge O'Connor's decision, is being appealed. Um, most legal experts believe that it will be overturned eventually. Uh, yeah, and, and this is what I want to jump in on, Peggy, because um, I, I was looking, I was looking at at you know what was being said in the immediate wake of the decision and then further out i'm kind of glad we waited to do this podcast because it lets a lot of kind of the the hot take reactions subside and you can sort of see how it plays out over time a little bit as people really get their head around the decision what's striking about the criticism of this decision is that it's actually um bipartisan when you look at legal experts on both the left and the right they're highly critical of the decision um it's in, in particular, they just, you know, one of the most damning criticisms I've seen is that uh, this is uh, this is effectively um, judicial uh, judicial activism, which is which is an argument that is frequently levied against Democratic judges. Um, you see it much less uh, uh, that term used for Republican judges. And, and one of the simplest ways to just uh, highlight one of the concerns that active, that uh, legal scholars on both sides are, are flagging is they're saying, look, he's saying that if, if you knock out the mandate, then the whole law has to go. And they said, but Congress clearly indicated by not repealing the whole law when they repealed the mandate as part of the tax bill, that they were okay with the rest of the law standing. And so you can't assume that congressional intent, um, that Congress intended to repeal the whole thing if in fact they didn't. So, you know, there are, there are lots of arguments out there um, on the legal side saying this is just not sound legal reasoning. And it is the expectation of most experts that the Fifth Circuit will overturn this appeal. And if not the Fifth Circuit, most likely the Supreme Court. They just don't believe the judicial reasoning behind it is sound. 
Good to know, Dave. And we don't know if it goes to the Supreme Court, if it will be heard. And if it is heard, it's not likely to be heard until 2020 or later. Correct. So, everyone, stay cool. That's right. Stay cool, (laughs) but but stay engaged. I'm going to add that, that... You know, we, you and I both did an interview recently about activism and about advocacy, and we were asked our, our advice and our concerns, and mine was that people become complacent and uh, kind of forget that these issues matter and that we, we owe it not only to ourselves, but to the community and to people who will become amputees in the future to stay on top of these issues and to stay educated and to stay engaged. Yeah. And if you, if you're sitting there wondering, saying, why isn't there a call to action? You know, I want to be an amp- activist on this. Well, you know, this is in the hands of the courts now. And these are, these are federal appointees, nominees and appointees. Um, and these are lifetime appointments. When you are a federal judge, you don't, that, that is a lifetime appointment. As long as you want that job, you have it. So this is not something that you can really go through the political sphere to apply pressure directly on this case, this decision. But if you are saying to yourself, well, then what can I do as an activist? If this, if you are in favor of this decision or you are opposed to this decision, uh, the kind of activism that's involved here is electing the types of legislators um, at a federal level in particular, who um, support the, the types of judges and policies that you believe in. So um, the, way that, um, the way that you influence this type of debate in the legislative branch is by actually um, making sure that, uh, sorry, in the uh, judicial branch, you need to uh, vote people in the legislative branch who uh, you think are more likely to support your your opinions and and represent your views. I'm going to take that a little bit more short term, Dave, um, if I may, because, you know, the next election isn't until, you know, 2020. So uh, if you want to also be an AMPT activist, there are two things you can do right now. You can join us at ampedlife.com, join our network where we, we discuss these issues at a real grassroots level and provide ways and information to always stay engaged. You can also become educated about, about some of these legislations and about these rulings. So when you're talking to your friends and they say, oh, I hate Obamacare, you can say, really? Do you hate this? Do you hate this? Why do you hate this? And you can engage in a little bit more thoughtful discussions, take, a, take politics out of it. Um, a lot of people still don't know that, you know, quote unquote, Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act are actually the same thing. Um, you know, be educated about these nuances, be educated about the provisions in these laws, be, be thoughtful in your discussions and in your justifications of, you know, pre-existing condition exclusions are important. Um, you know, essential health care essential health benefits are important because of these reasons. I want my kids to be able to stay on my insurance until 26 so they can go to grad school, so they can do this, so they can become, you know, your doctors, your lawyers in the future, that sort of thing. Yep. That's really good advice, Peggy. All right. Good. And I think you had a few well wishes that we wanted to send out to, to friends of the podcast. I do. Uh, the first one is our dear friend Stella. 
is going for surgery next Friday. Stella runs TAG, which is Triangle Amputee Group in, uh, it's North Carolina, right? Yeah, Raleigh Durham. Yes, okay. I I, I always get my Carolinas messed up. I get my Dakotas messed up too. Um, But uh, she's going for a, a pretty pretty intensive revision surgery um and we wanted to let her know that we're thinking about her and that um you know if if there's anything that we can do to help her during her recovery to support her um that we're here and that we're all rooting for her we also wanted to to give a shout out to adrian haslett who many know as um she was the the she is the dancer from Boston who lost her leg during the, the marathon attack many years ago. Um, and she's gone on to be a very strong voice for the limb loss, limb difference community. She does a lot of advocacy. She does a lot of reaching out. Um, she actually was struck by a car last week um, and is in the hospital recovering. And we wanted to send our well wishes to her as well. Yeah, Stella and Adrian, thanks for all that you do for the community. And we hope you both um, get through this quickly and back on your feet and up and doing the stuff you love to do. Absolutely. All right, Dave. I think Thank we covered you, it. Thank you, Peggy. Yep, this is a good one. Appreciate your time. All right. Have a good weekend. Bye. You too. Take care. I'll talk to you. Bye.